me at Jello, Jello. You had me at Jello. You had me at Jello. And I'm gonna actually I'm gonna segue this from the how you coach people to be able to believe if they have the fire. You mentioned you have the fire for music um, to get to where they can have the mindset to succeed at their audition. Uh, but another thing that I'm thinking as a not too infrequent because we've talked about performance anxiety. But then there's also an issue of the sheer amount of time that you spend playing a cello in a year. Uh, what is your healthy approach? What is your approach, I should say, to playing cello with a way where you can project your sound as much as it needs to be projected, but in, in a way that then doesn't um, wear you down? You know. Do um. Slow and low. Slow and low. Yeah. Just like you cook your meat. Nice. Slow and low, like a brisket. Um, you want to start gentle. You don't want to, and you don't want to over-practice, like I said, things that you're already good at doing. You don't want to get your Starker book or your Kostman book or or whatever out and, and like say, I'm going to do this whole book today. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That uh, that's a recipe for some kind of itis, tendonitis, bursitis. You know, you're gonna something's gonna go wrong very quickly, and God forbid you get, you know, some kind of dystonia. It's over. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry to say that. I, I mean, I know people have have coped with with that, and and there are workarounds and things, but but once it develops, it's very difficult to 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 navigate through that and and uh you know we're all we are all afraid of that i have uh i've been blessed with uh, a lazy uh a lazy gene <laughs> i paid the price young i mean it did lots and lots of heavy duty technique work i mean we went, i went through the poppers the piatis the survey all the difficult caprice my my teacher i mean i whizzed through that stuff i played it better then than i do now now I'm like such a perfectionist that like I'm, you know, I've got like, I've got an important recital in a few weeks in, in Kelowna, British Columbia. And, uh, you know, I have to, I have to stick to my plan that I've, I put in place, but it has to also be fun because if I put, if I give myself an order to practice, I won't do it. Because I hate, I buck authority, even if it's my own. Nice. And if I tell myself I have to do something, I ain't going to do it. I'll be like, F you. I'd rather, you know, F-O than practice. You know, so, you know, if something, if I make something fun, it's different. You can make anything fun. And you can rebrand something that's difficult into inconvenient. Inconvenient is something that's more manageable. I like, you know, words have a lot of power. They really do. Uh, and uh, I think uh, I think it's important what we call something. It can have a profound effect on how we handle it in the in the in the end. And uh, I hope that makes sense. I mean, at least it does for me because I maybe it's a form of lying to myself, but whatever it is, it works. And uh, 
whatever sort of fantasy I, I have in my mind, if that's fuel for getting the work done, so be it. Use it. Anger, hey, go for it. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Um, I, what happens to me is that if I get my cello out, I'll start tinkering with the cello. It's like, oh, maybe I'll try this A string. Oh, maybe we'll put all gut strings on it. That's my brain telling me, you know, you know, maybe you shouldn't practice. You know, you're, you're telling yourself to, to practice. Why don't you like do something else with the cello? You know, at least you're playing the cello. No, 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 no. I have to find a way to make it fun. And mm. I hearken back to when I was young. And I, I remember, I remember what it was like. And I can conjure that feeling again. It's funny. It's funny how that 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 is. It's like that that little flame, that little voice is still alive. But I have to I have to dig really deep. I have to pry the lid off of myself to get to it. I don't know. Does that make any sense at all? Yes, but it makes me wonder. You also compose. Does composing? Are there days where the somebody else's notes on the page are kind of more the issue than if you just let yourself go where your composing brain wants to go. And if it happens to go over and solve a couple of things, so be it. Well, how it works for me is like, I like an idea will form in my head and I'll write it down, but I'll just write the idea down. And then that will, I have to write it down though, in order for it to germinate. It's, it's how, it's how it always worked for me. Like, taking notes in class i always had to write something down to remember it and uh even if it's just scribbling uh i i remember much better and like how i'm i've always memorized music um you should see like my my part for the barber concerto there's a symbol or a, or, or like an up bow down bow or a slur or so the thing is rife with marking it's illegible but that's how that's how I memorize, and the the slurs and numbers, the 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 you know one, one through four and thumb, all that may be different on a different cello, you know. And plus, I have like three different fingerings for different passages. Like I've got my my safe fingering for when I'm nervous. I've got my sort of daring fingering for when I'm being a little more creative, and then I've got my batshit crazy fingering for like when I want to show off, and and you know. But it's like, it's a fingerboard that's, that's, that's like not very long. I mean, how hard can it be when you know how to play the instrument well? <laughs> okay, about projection. Back to projection yes, again. Yes, thank you. The most important thing is playing in tune with the cello. And there's one thing, I mean, I would love to demonstrate it if I could. Would that be yeah, I, I be okay? To, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, so here, here we go. I'm just going to pick a note, for example, like... Uh, I usually I usually pick I usually pick B natural on the D strings. So when I talk about drones, I want to tune it to the lower string first. So it's not it's perfectly in tune. It's not too Some people are, are okay with this, or even this. 
so that's that's the control at the bottom. So then when you keep the finger in the same place, don't move it, then you play it with the A string. The interval is flat. little area there, I call it the sandbox, that's the area that I, I allow myself to vibrate. And I know I'm human. <laughs> I know it's not going to line up perfectly all the time. And what's great about this sort of system is that there's enough built-in flexibility so the intonation you have that much give so you can play if a piano is slightly out or if a your fiddle player can't seem to make a chord you can adjust it's not you're not like one way vibrato is a way what is vibrato it's it's a way to increase the tension in a note right and of course, it's it's like a part of our intrinsic like musical personality and string plays. And it's a lot of fun, you know? And I think we need to use vibrato more to develop the phrasing as well. Like people are often content to just use the same, the same vibrato on a, on a note and just leave it the same way. You know, uh, like, Okay, that's akin to like Narcissus like staring at his reflection in a pool so long that they had to drain it, you know, that kind of thing. It's like you have to mix it up a lot. I was ex I was accused of that back at Eastman. I can't remember who did the, the master class I put in, I think. It wasn't Starker. Anyway, but uh, so again, back to the drones. Like if you're playing, let's say, uh, let's say a B flat on the A string. In order to tune the upper one, you have to imagine like a phantom E string. So, so if you're doing the same position, the the E flat. When a tritone's in tune, it's like you can imagine a needle pointing straight up. This, that's not in tune. That almost has an odor. When you're playing in tune with the instrument, wonderful thing happens, like Tartini tones. You know, the the you can make a room rattle with good intonation. Start with that. Remember what I said before. It's like if you want to. If you want to have a big sound, it better be worth hearing. You could press as much as you want if you vibrate. If you vibrate, you're vibrating outside that resonant field, and you're 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 chasing your tail. When you mm -hmm. press that hard, and it's not a resonant sound, it doesn't make the instruments uh, speak. It's it's not good. You know, it's it it it's a uh, it's not going to project as well. Whereas, uh, but if it goes outside, 
how many times do you hear that? I mean, you hear it a lot, especially with, I hate to say it, like a younger generation of cellists like, that think that you have to vibrate fast and wide. If you listen to Fournier play or Starker or even Rostropovich, they exploit this idea. I don't know how they think about it when they're doing it, but it sounds wide. But I'm actually getting smaller and going inside the note. That's what creates the, it's, it's like, a, you know, what's that, that thing in, in, in Geneva, the, where they split the atom, <laughs> you uh, know, the hadron, what's that, what's it called? Particle accelerator? Yeah, it's exciting, you know, I mean, try it yourself when you, when you have time with, you know, in, you know, in between lessons or whatever. So you play a note perfectly in tune, and then you test it with the string above it. Like when pe people ask me, is vibrato above the note or below? I say, yes. <laughs> it depends on what your control is. You know, if your control is is below, then yes, it's above the note. If your control is above, then it's, it's I'm sorry. I just say, if your control is, is below, then it's above. It's, if, if the control is above, then it's below. So I know, I know that I'm going to have a lot of detractors, a lot of people who are like, ah, it doesn't make sense. It's like, no, you try it and you'll buy it. It's free. <laughs> it's free. And you'll discover that there's a Strad inside your cello. If it's a Strad, there's another Strad. If you already have a Strad, you'll have another Strad. <laughs> but I've been practicing this way for years. And, you know, when you practice on a C string, don't make the mistake of just tuning to the G string. That's the upper part of the vibrato. You'd have to, to practice with a phantom F string. Not, you don't go above it. At least that's how I do it. I you like know. It. Uh, another thing that's important is that we generally have what I, what I refer to as a, as a default setting for our bow. Yeah. And one person who, who displays this really beautifully is, is Mark Kossower. He he practically holds his bow like a violin bow. And, and I don't see how he does it, but it's just mind-bogglingly good. Like he, he his his playing is so fantastic. And I've I've been I've been doing this for, for years too, but not not to that that degree. But I always like to make flatter hair or flat hair my default setting. Because when you do that, a couple things happen. You get a straight bow without even trying. Now, instead of thinking the arm has to open up, you do what it takes to enable the hair to stay flat. Mm -hmm. So the hair is telling your arm what to do. Mm. Now, you don't want to spend your whole life being the bows b-i-t-c you know what <laughs> you you don't want to be you want it to be the other way around so when you when you have this is your home base it's much much easier to draw a consistent sound now of course we're human and we're not gonna it's not gonna be perfect all the time but and there are gonna be a lot of people who disagree with me and the 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 bow also has to hit you a little bit if you're going to use a traditional cello grip it has to hit you a little bit in this part of the hand i always say think like a violinist a little bit you know just 
but a hybrid violin cello grip and have the ability to rotate the, the stick here in your hand. So the weight is coming down this way. You don't really need much. And another thing I'm doing is applying counter pressure and moving against the bow. two things together the the intonation uh exercise and also keeping a straight bow and also yeah of course when you want to tilt the bow and play on on a little bit of the hair it's up to you not the bow and another thing you get rid of portato by playing with flat hair mm. you know the the bow we the bow <laughs> It's so easy for the bow to respond to what's happening in the left hand because we like to do the same thing on both sides of the body. But one thing that, that can prevent it, if you try it, like, I'll just pick that passage. Or I'll do the I'll do the, the one at the beginning. So, so here's with tilted hair. the best example but i don't know if you could hear the any portato in there there's plenty yes. but now if i and this may be weird this is extreme i'm just going to let the hair do all the, the playing and, and guide the bow see what, if you hear a difference big difference big difference Big difference. And if I applied some a little bit of counter pressure to that, that might make the sound better. But ideally, you want a little bit, a, a hybrid version of that, I think, because that sounded a little bit wooden. You know, because if you're letting just, if you're just guiding the bow and letting that happen, however, you do get that for free. <laughs> you get it for free. You don't have to try to not do portato that way. You get an automatic legato. Nice. Provided you you pay attention to the, the hair. And if you have flat hair, the bow is going to track parallel to the bridge. You can also do, you can skew the bow a little bit. I don't, I don't like to do that too much. I think, I think only Pika Zuckerman could get away with that, you know. But uh, anyway, I know that, that those were some feeble examples that I just gave you, but uh, I, I really believe that 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 does help make a very consistent sound that is uh, um, not only beautiful, but projects by itself and turns the instrument into something better than it was. You know, it really warms up an instrument when you start practicing drones. Start soft, softly and uh, slowly, you know, and, and I'm not trying to sell any snake oil, this is free. <laughs> You know, I'm. I would. I just want to share it. You know, because everybody that that has uh, worked on this with me, and there, there's there are a couple of different vibrato and staccato exercises. I think developing a good staccato is important to um, having bow con good bow control. The ability to stop and start the bow in any part of the bow is, is very important. Um, uh, I think that's very crucial, but. You, you apply that same exercise to vibrato. I have it written down. I could actually post it here if anybody wants it. Um, and 
I, to me, the those are the the cornerstones of of my my playing, and I I would apply those to scales and arpeggios. And it's harder to do it with double stops, but you know, once you start practicing this way, and Betsy, my wife, she she uh, always describes when I get those intervals like right, you know, bam. She describes it as having the John Deere effect. Like it sounds like it sounds like a tractor, you know, <laughs> in a good and, way. In a good way, because you know the the all the windows in the house rattle. <laughs> Talk about projecting, and I'm not really even trying. It's 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 a purity of intonation, and then you're 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 then exploiting the nucleus of that sandbox. You're trying to go inside versus around it. You're you're chasing your tail by going around it. Try it, and and uh, I think you'll be convinced. But you know, again. I'm just one knucklehead. <laughs> no, this is great. And and like what you said about words mattering and meaning things, your choice of words, I think, is going to give quite a number of people some really good takeaways to uh, let it percolate through their brains as they're practicing this weekend and next week and beyond. And, you know, as far as and as far as developing your sound, you can it may seem very limiting that little area that you have to work with, but it's it's a pretty large area, actually, you know, and that's that's what you want. That's like uh, the most it's like the filet mignon of your sound, that little that little area where the note is in tune with the string above it and the, the note is in tune with the string below it. And people might come back and say, yeah, but. And, you know, it, it needs to be in tune with the key that you're playing. And so if you're in B major, you know, it's like, I get it. I get it. Start with playing in tune with your instrument. Then get to that and see how in tune you're going to be able to play in B major. It will be in tune. Trust me on this. It's nice. going to be. All right. It's going to be. Uh, I I really believe in it. I mean, it would take a lot, <laughs> a lot of convincing to get me out of it. And uh, I know there are similarities with with uh, with Hans Jensen's um, book, which is, I mean, that's mind blowing. His his stuff is great. <laughs> you know, I would never ever like put my name in the same in the same uh, in the same sentence as his. I mean, he's he's a uh, next level. I mean, that guy is an amazing teacher. He's a crazy guy. <laughs> I love Hans, um, but he's devoted his life to to this pursuit and and. Uh, and I, th I think he's he's a very very important important um, force in the cello world. Uh, as is you know Paul Katz. I mean Paul. The thing about Paul, he has studied with everybody, and he was, or I mean, was he was and is like a walking like cello knowledge encyclopedia. And and I, I got so much from him. Uh, in my years working with him and Steve Doan just made my bow arm. He tightened the screws. I was too loose when I came to Eastman. I was like made out of putty and, and uh, he really helped me. Uh, he, he made my bow arm. He got pretty impatient with me because I was, I think I probably had ADHD or some, something. Plus I was, I was going through a rough time. My freshman years, my, my, my dad was, my dad was sick and my mom, had a stroke and it was just a mess, you know, a confluence of like bad stuff happened, you know, like that year. 
but um you know i came out of it okay <laughs> you know sadder but wiser but uh yeah i don't know i, I this this seems to have taken on a kind of a a uh maudlin tone i don't mean i don't mean to uh to do that i i, I want it to be light and fun and all that but so well it's it's been um i i think it's been extremely uh fascinating but uh, you look I, I can try to stay better on topic if you want to ask me like <laughs> like some shotgun questions or whatever no actually i was gonna say in closing if there are, I'm sure you have a thousand concerts to play yet in 2023. Are there any in particular that you want to draw people's attention to? You mentioned the one in British Columbia. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to visit uh, British Columbia. I've never been there before. I've been to Alberta, but I've never been to British Columbia. And uh, visiting this beautiful city called Kelowna. And uh, they have an organization called Chamber Music Kelowna. And uh, Peter Takach and I, uh, Peter Takach is a world-renowned pianist, teaches at Oberlin. We just released the uh, all the Beethoven works for cello and piano, or for piano and cello, I should say. And uh, it's gotten some really great reviews. I'm really, really psyched about that. And uh, um, we are playing two Beethoven pieces on that program. We're playing uh, Beethoven A Major Sonata, uh, at the end of the program, and we're playing uh, the uh, the Handel set of Handel variations at the beginning, and we're uh, also doing a Debussy sonata, which is the very first piece we ever played together uh, back in. Again, that was I think I had a flat top. <laughs> that was that was in Charleston, South Carolina. We played together uh, there. Uh, we played a like almost full recital together there. Anyway, and I'm doing some of my own music. I'm playing three of my etude caprices, and I'm also playing the suite for solo cello by Gaspar Casado. Nice. So it's a it's a pretty pretty nice program. And then uh, later in March, I travel to uh, Juneau, Alaska, to play the Dvorak Concerto with the Juneau Symphony and uh two performances there and i've never been to alaska so i'm super psyched and uh after that i'm i'm back in la for for a bit and playing some chamber music concerts here with the with people in the phil my esteemed colleagues here and then i go to um santa barbara for the libero theater uh chamber music Fe festival that uh that should be really, really exciting. Uh, and uh, then I'm going to Hawaii. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii before. Wow. And I'm playing playing in the Maui Chamber Music Festival. Mm. That's in May. And then then in June, there's a there's a Ravel WC Festival here. Then I go to Seattle, to the Seattle, Seattle Chamber Music Festival. And then I'm teaching at the Montecito Music Festival uh, for a few days and the Irvine Music Festival. I'm sticking around California. And I'll be playing in the bowl all summer. Ho sorry, Hollywood Bowl. We just call it the bowl. Yep. Once you've been here for a while, it's just the bowl to us, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the Hollywood Bowl is one of the coolest places to play in the world. I remember the first time I set foot on the stage, I was like, whoa. 
And I remember when I played Sayuri's theme there, the big cello solo, mm-hmm. uh, with John Williams conducting with like 20,000 people out there. I was like, it was a bit terrifying, but it was super fun. And uh, uh, hearing wine bottles falling down the stairs and it's it's a blast i mean it's you know you got the stacked parking and all the kind of pain in the butt stuff it's like it takes forever to get out of there but it's super fun i never get tired of it i love playing at the bowl and uh that's where we spend our our summers and i'm probably not supposed to say this but i'm playing don quixote with the la phil and dudamel in may of 24 so that's exciting yeah so i i know that they're officially announcing that oh so this this will probably not be on the air until when ben the 24th oh so they're gonna announce it on the 23rd excellent yeah so you can announce that i'll be playing don quixote with the la philharmonic uh and you know next year so uh in the 23 24 season what um and uh, yeah, I, I haven't played it in a while. I played it a bunch in Detroit. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to do it again. Super excited. Yeah. Nice. Um, as far as my website, I know I need to update it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really bad at that. I don't really, I used to be pretty prolific on Facebook, but uh, I don't require as much attention anymore. <laughs> I've, and my former manager, I had a manager like create this fan page and it's got like, I don't know, 95,000 fake fans on there or something. I don't know. I I got a bunch of likes, I guess. And and I do some advertising on that page, but I really don't know the first thing about it. I need to hire somebody. You know, I just, all I want to do is get get better every day and play well and be a good dad and be a nice guy and be remembered as a as a somebody who who gave it back you know i um and i'm still just working on my own voice all the time and uh and the lazy part of me is trying to make it easier and easier and easier to play because as i see it i'm 53 years old i can see the top of the hill that i'm going to be over soon and uh i'm planning on not plummeting I'm going to build myself a zip line. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy it and be at nice cruising altitude until I, you know, am. <laughs> lots of, lots of words of wisdom, lots of things to mull over. Well, thanks so much, Bob. It's been, a ben, it's great to, great to talk to you. I mean, I want to ask you a million questions. I, I, people have been asking me like, Oh, you should have a podcast. I'm like, why, you know, too many of them already. And besides, like any name I can think of has been taken. Maybe you had me at cello. That's so good. I like that. Maybe we can uh, bring you to Whitewater again, uh, especially if your son ends up at Madison. Oh my God! Yeah, of course. Hey, look, I'd love to. I'd love to come back there. I'd love love to collaborate with you and Chris, and uh, you know, it it'd be really really fun. Yeah, excellent. I miss the Midwest a lot. I really do. Every day I think about it. I mean, I love California, but I really am a dyed in the wool. I mean, I don't know. Oklahoma's not really Midwest, but my mom's from Chicago. And I don't know. I lived there. And then I lived in Detroit. And 
you know, it's just, it gets under your skin in a, in a, in a good way. <laughs> you know, yeah. Matt, you like, do you like living in Wisconsin? I do. The, the winters are a bit on the cold side sometimes. Uh, but... Yeah. We're not, we're not accustomed to that. No, no. But and if we have like one snowplow for the entire 660 square mile city of Oklahoma city. Right. I was like, good luck well, with that. I remember just trashing my car at five miles an hour, delivering a pizza. All right. uh, well, thank you again so much. And everybody out there have fun practicing all weekend. And we'll see you this time next Friday.